it ended up, I, I did my thesis on the use of acupuncture to induce non-ordinary states of consciousness. And, you know, a, a thesis, you have to build on something that's already there. And the closest I could find was uh, Stanislav Grof's work uh, called Holotropic Breathwork. He was, um, you know, like Leary and uh, Ramdas, he, he was doing studies at Johns Hopkins. He's a psychiatrist. I'm Michael Max, and this is Geological, the podcast that curates East Asian medicine and methods through the power of conversation. Some time ago, I read a book about Wayne Henderson. He's an Appalachian guitar maker who you'd likely only know about if guitars are a thing for you. It might take him years to make a guitar because building a guitar isn't simply a matter of assembly. It includes the people that stop by the shop to jawbone, how the chirp of crickets lays down a counterpoint to noodling through a Travis Pick melody. It requires the humidity being just right for gluing certain woods and that sometimes you have to make sure your attention is just so before engaging the creation of an instrument. Things take time. Good whiskeys, wine, they need the turning of seasons, maybe a decade, even more. Think about any relationship that means something to you. It's evolved over years. Multiple iterations of connection, misconception, struggle, and grace. Your clinical practice? Maybe not unlike making a guitar. There are reliable steps that require the refinement through time. In the book, the author asks another luthier about Henderson's guitars, and he says, well, there are about 600 things that go into making a fine guitar. The most important being the state of mind of the guitar maker as he's doing his work. I suspect the same holds true for the practice of acupuncture. There are many technical details to which we must attend, but it's our state of mind in the moment of doing that work that glues it all together. Shamanism was something that had my attention as a young man. I liked the idea of being capable, of being extraordinary, and having the ability to affect people and the world with unseen power. It was especially alluring as a young man because in my youth, I was unskilled and clumsy in connecting with others. I thought having access to an invisible world, it might help me. But the more I investigated it, the more it frightened me, as it seemed that traditional shamans didn't have an easy life. In fact, it looked troublesome enough that I thought it best to give the whole thing a pass if I could. These days, shamanism gets talked about a fair amount, and there are some in our trade who subscribe to Chinese medicine being shamanistic at its root. I'm not a historian, so I can't speak much to that. And I do have a bit of an uncomfortable edge when shamanism enters the conversation, which in part is why I was looking forward to having this conversation with John Meyerson. As with many wisdom traditions, it's hard to go directly at things. So I hope you'll enjoy this meander through medicine, shamanistic perspective, and the potency not of power over, but power under. We'll get into all of this and more in a moment. Stay with us.
These conversations come to you through the generous support of our sponsors and members. All the sponsors here provide helpful products or services that you'll find beneficial in your clinical work. Worried that an EMR is too complex for you? Jane has friendly and knowledgeable support. Mayway Herbs is celebrating the 55th year of their family business. You're invited to make use of their vast library of resources. Are you concerned about the health of Mother Earth? AccuFast Needles is doing something about that. You can too. And later in the show, Ancestral Sturman offers up a sinew treatment, and the folks at Blue Poppy have something special to share as well. Do be sure to visit the sponsors page on the Geological website to take advantage of all the special offers our terrific sponsors have for listeners of the podcast. Hi, folks. I'm Yvonne Lau, president of Mayway Herbs. Our family business turns 55 this year, and we wouldn't have gotten this far without the love and support of our community. We're truly grateful and promise you that we'll continue to work hard to support you and your practice. Please visit Mayway.com to find the perfect Pumsar brand formula or formulate your own in our dispensary. Our site also has lots of articles, videos, and herbal recipes for you to explore. And tune into our podcast, Chinese Medicine Matters, for insightful discussions on all things TCM. Learn about treatment strategies and powerful herbal remedies. As we welcome the month of May, our focus is on women's health. Our newsletter articles and podcast episodes this month will highlight different aspects and unique challenges women face. So subscribe or tune in. And if you're a practitioner, get a discount on our women's health formulas this month. Just visit Mayway.com. This season and every season, trust Mayway Herbs for your health and wellness needs. And thank you for supporting Real Chinese Medicine. I love how technology can help to automate my office. And I want to share with you my favorite tool for doing so, Jane. Jane is a clinic management software in EMR with a human touch. Whether you're switching your software or going paperless for the first time, the Jane team knows that the onboarding process can feel a little overwhelming. That's why with Jane, you don't just get software, you get a whole team. Included in every Jane subscription is their award-winning customer support available by phone, email, and chat whenever you need it, even Saturdays. You can also book a free account setup consultation to review your account and ensure you feel confident about going live. If you're interested in making the switch to Jane, head to jane.app/switch to book a one-on-one demo with a member of their support team. And be sure to mention the code geological at the time of sign up for a one-month grace period on your new Jane account. I don't know about you, but sometimes I take a step back and marvel at my acupuncture needles. I mean, they're the world's simplest medical tool, a sharpened wire and a handle. That's it. And with this simple tool, hundreds of health conditions can be resolved. I love it. What I didn't love was the amount of packaging waste I generated at the end of the day. But that has now changed too. Ever since I switched to AccuFast Earth-Friendly Needles, I reduced my packaging waste by 90%. Not only are they a great needle, but the folks at AccuFast plant a tree for every two boxes of needles I use in the clinic. By switching to AccuFast Needles, you'll be helping patients, planting trees, and joining a community of practitioners changing the world. Like our simple needle, being a part of the solution, it's simple too. Visit AccuFastNeedles.com slash geological 
to learn how. John Meyerson, welcome back to Geological. Thank you so much. I'm happy to be here. Happy to have you. You joined us over in uh, episode number 315. It was the kickoff to what I was thinking of as uh, History Month, looking back at the early days of our profession, before there really was a profession. And, and, and now that's actually turning into part of the podcast. You're going to hear a little history conversation probably once a month, you know, ongoing here for a spell because, well, it's amazing where we come from <laughs> and, and the influences that conspire to make things happen. It was a great time. People worked together really hard, and uh, I got to know some really, really good, cool people across the country. And, um, you know, if we hadn't banded together, we wouldn't be here where we are today. So uh, <laughs> it, was, it was pretty cool. Sounds like the beginning of the United States. If we don't hang together, we will hang separately. No comment. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Look where that's got us, right? <laughs> well, you know, I, look, there's always unintended consequences, <laughs> right? Anyway, in that conversation, you mentioned something about acupuncture and non-ordinary states of reality. That's correct. That got my attention. <laughs> so I'd like to delve into that today. No problem. It's what I do. So I, I would say it started, I was doing just acupuncture. And then I realized I was doing a lot of acupuncture for uh, emotional issues, uh, mm -hmm. things that uh, were not necessarily physical, that could be treated uh, if we look at the body, mind, spirit on the spirit continuum first, and then trickle down to the physical. And I realized that people who went into mild trance states during treatment healed better than those who didn't. And I'm thinking to myself, hmm. What's this all about? Now, up to that point, I studied very intensively uh, Zen Buddhism. I received Dharma transmission in 1985, uh, which made me a Zen master. I'm familiar with that sort of thing, but I never thought of acupuncture in a trance state. And I was uh, uh, about to apply for my uh, doctoral dissertation. In, psych, in my doctoral degree in psychology. And um, it ended up, I, I did my thesis on the use of acupuncture to induce non-ordinary states of consciousness. And, you know, a, a thesis, you have to build on something that's already there. And the closest I could find was uh, Stanislav Grof's work uh, called Holotropic Breathwork. Mm -hmm. He was, um, you know, like Leary and uh, Ramdas, he... He was doing studies at Johns Hopkins. He's a psychiatrist on uh, the use of drugs to uh, to help people heal. And when the government shut that down, he uh, went off on his own and developed this thing called breathwork, holotropic breathwork, where they would induce a non-ordinary state of consciousness through breathing, uh, music, some massage, stuff like that. And so I decided to use acupuncture in addition to his work. Uh, I worked with, uh, he's, he was in the West Coast. I worked with one of his people who was in Boston, where I am, and um, we devised a protocol for that. 
And, um, you know, he was informed about this, but I never really worked with him because he was too busy. So we did over 250 sessions uh, with That's people. That's quite a few. Uh, in groups. Yeah, either in groups or in an uh, individual. And what would happen is that we used his music, uh, but uh, no breath work. Um, they would just uh, lie there with acupuncture needles in. And I used the same points on everybody. I used on the right side, liver three, and on the left side, large intestine four, and on the left side, kidney three, on the right side, small intestine three. And uh, I use those for a number of reasons, but the basic one is that sometimes people moved during the sessions and I didn't want them to you know, stick the needles in further or, or whatever. So uh, those are the points we used. Uh, and then we would turn on the music, and uh, we would see what happened. And uh, afterwards, uh, people would uh, write um, what uh, they would discuss first, then write what their experiences were. And the key was is to see if the experiences matched the experiences that uh, Graf got um, when he, he called mapping the unconscious. Hmm. Mapping the unconscious. Yeah, that, that was his thing. It was interesting. Basically saying that people had uh, three different types, uh, three different levels in the unconscious that uh, these uh, his sessions would get to. And we, we hit the same ones. And I found that his sessions took three hours. Uh, this took about an hour and a half. I, I forget exactly the, uh, the amount of people who went into trance state but it was something like 50%, maybe 60%, something like that, who had a, an experience that they could write about. And uh, this was about 95% with acupuncture. And so it was fascinating to me that you could, you could induce these states. Wait, wait a minute, wait a minute. 95%, let me get that right. 95% of people went into some kind of a trance state. Yes, that they could write about and to fit into Graf's model. And uh, that was pretty cool, I thought, because... You know, it helped a lot of people, first of all, and and um, took much less time. There was much less trauma involved with the, the Groff method. It was the breathing, which was hard to do. And then people would get all kinds of tetany, you know, the, the spasming of the muscles everywhere. And they could come out of the session after an hour and a half really relaxed and had a, uh, a complete time with it. So I started using it on people. And then we started, along with uh, another acupuncturist uh, friend of mine, Dan Schwartz, who's uh, in North Dartmouth, Mass., who was a master African drummer. And he would provide the percussion. He played the, the djembe drum, and uh, he had bells, you know, the usual bells and bowls. And he had gongs, and we played all kinds of strange music for an hour, sometimes an hour and a half. And we would put the acupuncture points in, and uh, we would do, I don't know, up to 30 people at a time. And we would do it once a month. And we got some amazing results with that, too. And then I'm going quickly, just we'll come back to it. But And then mm -hmm. I realized that I could take people uh, on that journey without the acupuncture and without the, the drums. And so that's when we stopped uh, doing it. So what I want to talk about today, really 
is what is it about the needles that uh, creates this? And I, I personally, and not, I know, uh, acupuncture developed out of um, out of Taoism, uh, especially shamanic Taoism. Taoism is the indigenous religion of China. So, what's an indigenous religion? Well, usually they're some sort of uh, work with uh, animals or with physical things like streams or meadows or oceans. Um, they're shamanic. And they're nature-based. They're all nature-based. And so I'm thinking, okay, well, that's interesting. So maybe that's what's, what the acupuncture needles are tying into, is the basic shamanic tradition uh, that goes way, way back, uh, that we're not even aware of. And at the time, a little after this, I, I started, uh, I became an apprentice to a lady who um, was a, a shamanist from Africa, from Kenya. And uh, I studied with her um, for five years as an apprentice until she kicked me out and told me I was out on my own. It's kind of a classic story, isn't it? That kind of apprenticeship. Like, okay, here you go now. Get the hell out of here. Well, this one was interesting. It, it You know, I was fine just doing Zen. I uh, had a Zen group of my own out, out in Metro West, Massachusetts. And, um, you know, I'd, I'd lead sittings and teach the Dharma until I got tired of teaching the Dharma, which is when I got into shamanism. But what happened was I met her. I was having these dreams. It's a true story, believe it or not. I was having these dreams of this lady, some sort of middle-aged lady, and all she did was beckon to me, you know, with her hand. She didn't say anything. She just beckoned, come here, come here, come here. And then the dream would be over. That happened a number of times. At the same time, my, my uh, acupuncture business partner, he very, this weird situation, met a psychiatrist in Providence, Rhode Island, which is very close to uh, Boston. He went down to see him, and he introduced my partner to uh, a shamanic lady from Kenya. So he came back, and he told me about her, and I said, that's great, but, you know, I'm not really interested in shamanism. I'm, I got my thing. I'm doing it. But he just kept after me and after me. And so one day I said, sure, I'll go. So we drove down to Providence, and I walked in the room, and guess what? There she is. There she is. And in that moment, my life went like 180 degrees and shifted. And uh, so I got, you know, amazing shifts that way in Zen and 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 then shamanic work, which I call applied Buddhism. Personally, it's very very similar to Zen, but you're you're doing something specific. Uh, hang on a second, applied Buddhism. Yeah, applied Zen. Yeah, it it uh, definitely applied Zen. It it. Uh, I was getting uh, tired of just teaching the the Dharma, which, you know, I, I liked and appreciated, but it's very kind of narrow. For me, it was narrow. I liked the shamanic work because I felt free. I felt I could combine it with lots of different things. And so then I, that's when I, we started doing the, the groups with the drumming and, and, and all that kind of stuff. And what I realized very quickly is that it's not the selection of points that you use that matters. 
It's the power that you can generate in using the points. The power that you generate in using the points. Now, wouldn't that also be connected to the function and, and what the points do? I found that it doesn't. Tell us more. Uh, I find as long as you do some treatment that will relax the person, it'll work. And I found that some people who put the needles in didn't work so well as with other people who did. And the key was, as I just said, the amount of chi that you can generate when you put the needle in. Mm -hmm. I've heard some people talk about using their intention as part of the process, and that intention is a big key thing in their needling. Is uh, How does that fit in with what you're talking about here? Well, intention, I think they're talking about focus. And if they're talking about a focus, then that's probably true. Mm. Um, but I've also found that, now I've been doing this for almost 50 years, so the amount of, trying to think of how to say this, the, the shamanic work is all about gathering power or energy. I don't mean power over. I mean the power under, like the Tao Te Ching talks about. Tao is way, to is power. Ching means book. So the Tao Te Ching literally means the way of power. And they talk about the valley spirit. The valley spirit never dies. It overcomes all. And they're talking about that yin energy that's underneath everything. Mm -hmm. And when you can uh, attach to that, um, and attach that attaches to the universe or the one or the Tao, which they want to talk about, when you can channel that, the more you can channel that, the, the more you can generate uh, power. So nowadays, I don't, I don't even, I don't use needles. I just can sit there with you and uh, connect and channel the energy. But what, when you're starting, I would recommend that people work on gathering that energy. It's, it's more powerful than uh, an intention because an intention has ego to it. Oh, my goodness, yeah. I, I hear you. And uh, what I'm talking about is something that's egoless. And it's connected to the yin aspect. Correct. And I think if you talk to energy healers, I've trained a lot of energy healers, trained a lot of people energy with this, and, and that's what I found. If you're going to use power over, it doesn't, A, it doesn't work, it's too, it's young and it doesn't last very long, and B, then you're trying to manipulate someone as opposed to let them heal on their own. I find it very interesting, John, that, that you've used the term power under. I often hear the phrase power with, very popular these days, power with, not power over, power with. I'm hearing you say power under. That feels different to me. Well, I haven't heard the term power with, um, so I'll have to think about that. Everything has yin and yang to it. Everything has a balance to it. It's whatever you want to call it. It's the opposite of trying to control someone through your intention. It's an opening to the universe to flow through you, through the needle, through the channel, into the person. And that's, that's how energy healers work. 
Mm-hmm. And that's what we are, acupuncturists, right? We, we're, we're moving the energy of the body, I hope. You know, it, it's a really funny thing. I've been at this for 25 years now. And when people ask me what acupuncture does, I've got different answers at different times. I, I don't have any one pat answer. Right. Yep. There's not, there's not a simple corollary. Oh, it does this. It, it's not that easy to explain, in my experience. Well, I, I tell people about the energy and the energy channels that, you know, you see those little lines on the acupuncture diagrams. And what they are is, is ch- as channels with energy flows in your body. And acupuncture is a way of um, directing, uh, dispersing, or enhancing the flow of energy. And when people are ill, their energy is not flowing in the right place or right way. And that's what we try to do. We try to balance that. That's as good as I can get. <laughs> that people will understand quickly. Yeah. And, and again, is you know, using that kind of languaging, at least for me as we're having this conversation, it, you know, there there's a there's a sense of manipulation. There's a sense of I'm looking to do something. There's a yang aspect to it. I get it. I'm not I'm not saying we shouldn't. I'm hearing you talk about power under. And the phrase just came into my mind that acupuncture is a way of being with. Correct. Why does it work? What does it do? It's a way of being with. Yep. And there's something about that being with. Wow. How often How often do we have those states of mind, those states of being where we're simply with here? And that's it. And when you're like that, you get better results than if you don't. Other kinds of results happen. Right. It's kind of out of our hands in a way. I 100% agree. That's what I'm saying is the yin one, you open up to the universe, okay, where the power is, and the energy, you're not generating the, the energy. It's coming Mm-mm. through you. So it's like you're mm-hmm. calling it, and it comes through me into you, and it's going to do whatever it's going to do. I've lost control, but I don't have control of it. I don't want to have control of it. I assume the body will know what to do. John Myerson, that's a long, long way from how we usually think of medicine, that the doctor is there to do something for the patient. That's the tacit agreement that we have in this world at this time. Yes. No question. I, I, I agree. It, uh, and I have a lot of doctor friends. You know, I, I was pre-med in college, and I was supposed to go to medical school, which I did get into. Uh, and then all of a sudden I said to myself, uh, do you want to really do this? And so mm-hmm. I, I worked as an orderly in a local hospital here in the OR because at the time I wanted to be an orthopedic surgeon. And all the doctors there thought I was, it was pretty low key that it wasn't as strict as it is now. And uh, they all thought I was a medical student, so they let me watch a lot of surgeries. So I got to watch some. As an orderly. Yeah, as an orderly, yeah. And uh, <laughs> and it was pretty cool, you know. And then, like we talked in our last session, I met Dr. So, and I decided that uh, I would put off going to medical school and I'd study Chinese medicine. And I never went to medical school, <laughs> which I'm eternally grateful for. <laughs> 
but yeah, no, I have I have an awful lot of college classmates and fr- friends who are uh, MDs, and I, I totally respect. You know, there's a place for MDs for sure, uh, and there's a place for allopathic medicine for sure. Is it the only medicine? No. And um, you know, that's where I'm at, and. You know, in a lot of cases, they've poo-pooed me and laughed at me and all that kind of stuff. And I said, send me a few people. We'll see where it goes. Mm. And usually, I get some decent results. And um, and their usual comment is, well, I have no idea what it is you do, but it works. So uh, it's, it's all good. You know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. If it's not replicable in a research study of some sort, then it's not quite real. I get that. I, I mm-hmm. you know, I do have that intellectual part of me. But you've also got, at this point, it sounds like decades of experience with other things working. Things happen for people. Things change. And, and nowadays, I don't, I don't use needles at all. I haven't used a needle in probably ten years, fifteen years. Uh, if somebody has a, an acupuncture thing, I send it to people that I've trained for that, and. Um, uh, I love acupuncture. Don't get me wrong. I, I use it if I have to, for sure. But I don't use it very much because my whole practice now is that connection with them. And I work at getting a connection to them. And when I do, things happen. I never know what, but things always happen. And I also work with a lot of people who are extremely sensitive and don't know what to do with the world. Mm. Psychic empathic, they uh, see things, they talk to souls, you name it. There's a whole range of different, you know, things like that. And um, I help them live in the world and train them how to use their gift to help others. I've had people in my clinic from time to time. I'm not sure what it is, but is there telling me what's going on for them? I was going to say it's clear to me. Something comes through. It is clear to me. I'll just own that, that they're, they're sensitive in a unique way. It's kind of a superpower. Yep. It's also a burden, especially when you don't know what to do with it. Yep. And, and I'll ask them, I'll just kind of look at them and go, are you a little psychic? You know, and they'll be like, yes, how did you know? <laughs> yeah, there's a, there, there is, I almost want to say it's kind of a palpable feeling. It's also, I would agree it's a burden. You know, people always say to me, oh, wow, isn't that cool what you can do? And I go, try living with it. You know, it, 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 uh, you can't turn it off. Okay, yes. What do you do about that? Because otherwise it, would, it could kind of make you crazy, Correct. couldn't it? I'm, I mean, there could be a real downside to that. How do you... I'm going to use the, the term modulate it. Uh, I meditate between uh, two and six hours a day, every day, no matter where I am. And that helps to keep me balanced. And I see a lot of practitioners who I help them, they help me. And there's a whole group of them. I have people all over the country, so I can work on the phone with no problem. Um, I don't have to see you to do the work. And uh, I don't have to be near you to do the work either. I have people in Australia, Japan, Italy, England, um, you know, that kind of thing. And they find me through 
you know, weird situations because we're all sort of weird in this thing. Um, but, you know, that's how I, I get uh, clients is that someone will call and say, uh, I have someone I have no idea what to do with. Uh, maybe you can help me. And um, either I work on them or I have people that I've trained to work on them. So that's what we do. And they're not all acupuncturists. Uh, a lot of them are acupuncturists, uh, but not all. Hello, everyone. Anne Cecil Sturman here. A working knowledge of the eight extraordinary channels from the unbroken oral tradition of acupuncture is valuable beyond words. The power of these channels is tremendous if the practitioner has well-integrated diagnostic, theoretical, and practical skill. You'll be familiar with Dumai, the governor channel or the sea of yang, the primal reservoir of yang, which ultimately finances all movement and growth. But this channel also governs the ability to self-determine. The psycho-emotional presentation of your patients can be matched to a classical activation of this channel, clearing impedance in the free flow of yang chi to body, mind and spirit. I'd like to share with you the marvelous potency of the Do Channel in a full-length live treatment video from the seminar I taught last year in Melbourne, Australia. It's at ancecilsturman.com forward slash sinews2024. Click on the jump to free teaching button or see the link on my Instagram page at ancecilsturman. Thanks, Michael. Back to you. Mm-hmm. I want to step back to something you mentioned at the beginning of this conversation about mild trance states and that you notice that mild trance states seem to be helpful. Yep. How so? What What's going on here? So that mild trance state is the same connection I get with someone when I connect to, I'll call them the realms, the, the, the areas outside of me. When I connect to it and connect and can connect to them, that's the same as getting the mild trance state. So it's a kind of state of connective coherence? Uh, I would say it's an opening to the energy of the universe that you are directing to them with the acupuncture and there's less resistance if they're in that state. In other words, they let the healing power of the energy low through them Mm -hmm. and they stop fighting it because a lot of people fight their getting better yeah how how is it that we're set up like that I, i suspect there's a purpose that's being served where does this resistance come from fear mostly and you know a lot of people the devil you know is better than the devil you don't hmm Mostly just fear. And fear, a lot of it comes from things they learned as children, uh, whether it's religion or ways of doing things or just the inability to uncover some traumatic experiences that they had uh, that are in the way that they know needs to, to get through, but they can't do that. Because it's too scary. So they kind of get stuck in time around that fear, or that trauma. Correct. If they can even remember the trauma. If they, yeah. 
And if they can't remember it, it's almost like being doubly stuck. Yeah, correct. Out of awareness and 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 still operating. It can take it can take time. I have long term people that I work with because some people are so damaged energetically that it's very very difficult. This um, this yin connection, this yin state. Can you tell me a little more about connecting with it? Sure. So I liken it in the beginning to people, and I'll use a, a martial arts analogy just because that's who I am. There are a lot of styles which of martial arts which I call hard, and I mean styles that use force and power to defeat the enemy. And I'm not saying one is better than the other. I'm not saying that at all. I'm just talking about different ways of using your energy. So that would be a lot of the karate, uh, the Okinawan styles, the Kung Fu styles from China, where they'll try to block the blow that you're sending them and use power, a fist or a foot or an elbow coming back at you to uh, subdue their enemy. And then you have what's called the internal martial arts, um, which the major ones that you'll find today Three Taoist ones from China, which are Taiji, Bakwa, and Xingyi. And uh, another big one is Aikido. Uh, it be a Japanese version of that. And the point of those styles is to blend with your opponent and use their energy against them. So it's a, it's, that's the underneath energy. Uh, another one would be Qigong. Qigong is very popular right now. What is what does Qigong build? It builds energy, builds qi, but it's it's that gentle thing that comes under, comes in, that you you don't forcibly get. You get it by doing by get it by learning how to move your body, using your breath, and opening your mind to the powers of the universe. I get this feeling as as you're discussing it of standing at the seashore in the sand. That's it. Beautiful. At the edge of the water, and the way the water will pull the sand out from under your feet. just It'll just gently pull the sand away. And the ocean itself will speak to you. Mm-hmm. It's relaxing. What happens when you relax? Your body, your muscles relax, and your mind relaxes, and it opens to something. What does it open to? Energy. It's all about working with energy. John, that is such a troublesomely amorphous term. Which is? Energy. Well, that's why I use the word power, because to me, energy is everywhere, uh, and power is focused energy. And so sometimes that's clearer to people, sometimes it's not. Uh, it just depends on person. But that's that's what shamanic stuff is doing. That's what you're doing when you do acupuncture. Uh, I don't care what level you're doing it. You're you're focusing energy somehow. You're moving it. Yeah, you know, taking energy and focusing it. And and again, I'm 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 really struck. I may sound like a broken record, but that's just because I'm slow and I have to often repeat things to uh, have it gel. But we're talking about an in energy here, an in 
type focus, not a yang type focus. Correct. And we're letting, we're letting um, ourselves open to the energy of the universe. In other words, we're not forcing it. Uh, I'm not saying, oh, I want this energy. I want light to strike on this person now. That's not what we're doing. We're doing the opposite of that. We're opening to the energy and we're letting the energy flow through us into the person that needs it. And that's the key is, because otherwise what happens is you're using your own energy if you're trying to build it in your body and then shifting it to somebody else, you're going to get very sick very fast doing that. Yeah, so what are some practices, what are some ways of opening to this energy in, in, in a clear and safe way? Well, I'm a, I'm a big meditator, as you can tell. And um, so I think the number one way would be to meditate. I think uh, there's lots of different kinds of meditation. But I think that, you know, meditation to me is like a training of your mind. So if you wanted to uh, run a marathon, you know, first you start with one mile, then you go to two miles, then you go to three miles, you're training your body. Um, and that's what meditation does for your mind. It trains your mind uh, not to focus on thoughts and to train it to be able to be used in other realms of existence than just the consensus reality that we're in now. Mm. So meditation, look, meditation's a super popular thing these days. I've got an app on my phone that will give me 10,000 or more different kinds of meditation I can sit down and do. It's, I mean, most of them are actually visualization exercises, I think. Yep. When you say meditation, are, are you thinking Zen-type meditation? Is there, are you thinking of a breath meditation? What, uh, what, what flavor are we talking about here? Is there a direction or perspective or something to sort of aim at? I, I don't care what kind of formal meditation to use. I, I think most what people call meditation nowadays is relaxation. Mm. And I have no objection to that. But that's not what I'm talking about. Yeah, that's why I want to dig into this a little bit because I have patients come in and say, yeah, I've been meditating lately and I hear about what they're doing. And it sounds like some kind of guided imagery, either relaxation or to, uh, to instill and reinforce a thought of something that they want to be able to get. And, you know, I don't have any problem with that. You know, it's, it's fine. As I said, it's not. But it's not what you're talking about here. No, it's not going to develop the power that you need to be able to heal in this kind of way. Uh, it's just not. But, you know, there's Zen, there's Vipassana, which is called mindfulness meditation, which is very popular now. There's Qigong, there's Neigong, there's uh, Taoist meditations. There's thousands of those, uh, which are great. Yeah, so, you know, there's Buddhist, there's uh, Hindu meditations, uh, there's, uh, you can meditate, you know, Christianity has meditations like the Trappists use, um, if you want to study the uh, Hebrew Kabbalah, Sufi is another form of meditation, it's a dance, movement form of meditation, so it's, it's endless what you can do, it just depends on what works for you. I like to sit, uh, because when you sit, and you do your meditation, you face you. It is, I would say, a more difficult thing to do for most people uh, than other people are just called to do it. But, you know, you can you can make up your own whatever it is that you want to do. 
But in, in general, I'd say there's three kinds of meditation. There's breath meditation, where in the in the beginning, there's three kinds. Uh, and that's to learn how to not focus on your thoughts. Because people think that their thoughts are actually their mind. But that's not true. And that's why the Buddha was so famous, is he figured out that the thoughts are actually not your mind. They're your mind wandering. And so if a thought comes into your mind and you don't pay attention to it, what happens to it? It disappears. Disappears. And if you can do that, um, then you will notice that your mind totally changes and opens up to a whole different way of being. And that's, I think, what you need, no matter what you want to use to get there. Whether it's breath meditation, uh, mandala, which is a picture, uh, mudra, any of those kinds, it doesn't matter. Sound, visualizations. Mudra, these are like hand positions? Uh, they can be. Um, and they can also be, uh, I'm sorry, not mudra, mantra. <laughs> yeah, a mudra mm. seals the energy in, in the from escaping from your body when you do pranayama, which is yogic. Yeah, I mean, you can use all those, but it doesn't doesn't matter to me. Whatever works for you. The Taoists are heavily into visualizations, some pretty cool visualizations. And uh, I've done hundreds of different times. Nowadays, I just sit. But because... Kind of back to your Zen. It's all Zen. I am Zen. I'm very Zen. You know, I, I uh, you know, as I said, I, I did receive Darwin transmission, which means I am a Zen master. I can teach it, but I don't teach it because it's not really my way of doing things. I like to combine lots of things together, as you can tell. But basically, that's that's who I am. I'm very Zen. It, uh, it's when you go to see me, it's very similar to being in what's called Tokusan, uh, a one-on-one meeting with your teacher uh, in intensive meditation sessions called sessions. I'm looking for a way to get you to connect to me, basically. And when I do that, that's how we move on. It's uh, much the same as what Zen does. They just don't talk about it that way. They have their own sort of secret way of talking about it, which, in my opinion, doesn't help people very much. <laughs> And uh, I think there are, uh, there are ways they could do it. So it's, I'm not going to say easier, but uh, less stressful on people. Well, it sounds like you certainly went down that path quite a ways, far enough, far enough to get transmission. And then you, That's, and then some other teachers showed up. What was this woman doing with the psychiatrist? I mean, this, I mean, this almost sounds like the setup to a joke. A shaman, a psychiatrist, and an acupuncturist walk into a bar. I never met him. He um, Soon after uh, I started working with her, he moved to Argentina. And he moved because he was getting grief from the Board of Medicine in uh, Rhode Island. And because uh, he was practicing, I don't know, voodoo or something. I don't know. Oh, so she was teaching him as well. That was, she, that was the first student, yeah. And, uh, mm -hmm. yeah, so nowadays, you know, what I do is normal and they're even doing it with plants for God's sakes. Isn't that awesome? <laughs> yeah. It's, 
I mean, it's odd, probably not as odd as it was 30 years ago. I mean, acupuncture was super odd 30 years ago, and now it's pretty commonplace when you come right down to it. Well, especially here in Massachusetts, in different parts of the country, it depends on where you are. We have a lot of acupuncturists in, uh, in New England, for sure. Mm -hmm. Well, for school, you know, you're going right. yep. to create a lot of practitioners and they're probably going to put down roots nearby. Yeah, there's a lot of them. For for folks that are listening to this right now, and, and maybe they're not interested. And, and they haven't hung up yet. I, I'm sorry, say that again? They haven't hung up yet. <laughs> they haven't hung up yet. That's right. <laughs> you haven't already turned this off. <laughs> Going over to your other favorite podcast, whatever 18 of them you have. For folks that are listening and, and, and they're thinking, well, this makes sense being able to open up to a, a deep, in energy and get my ego out of the way. Oh man, what a relief that would be, huh? Yep. Get your ego out of your practice. There's a relief. But maybe not ready to embark down a, a road of shamanistic training. No. Are, are there some ways of beginning to learn to open to this kind of a chi that we're talking about and investigate it and, and bring it into your work in some gentle, I'm going to call it beginner fashion. Well, I would say uh, yoga would be one. Tai Chi would be another. Uh, Qigong would definitely be one. Um, All the usual cultivation stuff that we usually talk about. Correct. Mm -hmm. uh, and then there's meditation. You might be able to get there through music. I have a couple of very, very uh, psychic people who are really superb musicians, and that's how they connect. Um, dance. This currently could be one, too. There's a number of people out there who do what they call either shamanic dancing or psychic dancing, in which they try to get into a state and just move. Uh, you could study the Kabbalah. Uh, Kabbalah's out there pretty well. Lots of ways. So I reckon you find the one that you feel like you resonate with and go for it. Take some steps inside. See how it connects to your acupuncture. Absolutely. And, and you know, if it's not perfect, then you go on to something else. That's all. And what I've done, I've studied lots of things. And what I do is I take from it what I need, and then I incorporate it in my little bag of tricks. So I would say to people, most likely, they will not be one way. There'll be lots of ways. Um, but along the way, you know, I'm 71 years old now, so uh, I try to pick up little things so I don't have to stay with them too long. How long do you have, you know? <laughs> Would you say you're more discriminating about what you delve into at this point? I go wherever the souls, the spirits tell me to go. Mm. It, it um, I'm always being led. I'm always having things open for me when I'm ready for them to open. Uh, and that's what I follow. I have had a handful of experiences in my life where... I'm going to say an opportunity was presented to me and I didn't hem and haw and I didn't even pause to consider or weigh the alternatives. And someone said something or an opportunity showed up and it was just like that, but it's only happened for me a handful of times. Yep. Is it possible to cultivate a deeper sense of, of recognizing those? I'm going to call them gateways or opportunities. Uh, absolutely. And the way is, is just do what we were talking about. Start opening yourself up in some way 
and you'll find things come to you. So almost none of these things, I've, I, they came to me. I mean, obviously, if you're going to do Tai Chi, you got to go look for a Tai Chi school, right? But, you know, <laughs> but you'll know when you go to one whether it's for you or not. You'll see what the students are like. You'll see what the teachers like. If it doesn't resonate with you, that's fine. You go to some other place. Um, and we're lucky in this country because we have, at the moment, tons of this stuff all over the place. Tremendous opportunity. Unbelievable. It, uh, and some of it depends on where you live, of course, you know. The West Coast, the East Coast, let's say from D.C. up on the, on the East Coast anyway. And, uh, uh, you know, West Coast, New Mexico, I mean, sure, Arizona. You know, I'm sure in St. Louis where you are, you'll find people doing, you know, all the same kind of stuff. You may have to look harder, but I'm sure they're there. What I have found in my time of living in St. Louis is that if there's something that you're interested in finding, you'll probably find it here. Yeah. It's it's a large enough metropolitan area. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. It used to be I had to go to New York. It to uh seriously, to find a Bakwa or Shingy teacher in the seventies. Oh my god. New York. It's the only place. Uh probably California, but you know, from Boston it's easier to go to New York than it is to California. Well things evolve. That's oh, for yeah. sure. Absolutely. No question. No yeah. question. Yep. In recent years, the Sa'am acupuncture style has generated significant interest and a loyal and growing following. In the Sa'am approach, a precise diagnosis leads to a four-needle treatment to address the five element and six chi imbalances in the body. The four needles target the controlling and generating cycles. It's common using this method for the needle sensation to be stronger than in many other styles. Thus, the choice of needle becomes important. The Unico brand of needles lends itself to both strong and gentle techniques. These superior needles are made of uncoated Japanese surgical stainless steel and feature the best guide tube on the market with its unique beveled edge. Additionally, Unico needles have a tensile property that helps with freehanding needles into Jing well points and allows you to more easily feel the arrival of Qi. Blue Poppy is the exclusive importer and distributor of Unico needles. Use the code QI2024 to save 10% off Unico needles at www.bluepoppy.com. You'll be glad you did. Okay. I, I want to come back to something, and, and, and I mentioned it or asked a little bit about it. And, and I think what you replied was meditation. But again, this piece about doing this work in a way that that's safe. And the reason I ask that is because it seems to me, with what little experience I have, that, that shamanistic practice, because you're opening yourself up, to all kinds of, you know, to, to the powers. My suspicion is there is much that's benevolent and there's some that may not be so. What are some things to do to make sure that you're safe? Do you need a teacher? Do you need a certain kind of practice? This is something that, that I've thought about for years because shamanism used to sound really cool to me when I was a much younger person. And, and then 
it seemed to me that, oh my goodness, you better tread carefully here. This is not necessarily a walk in the park. So I 100% agree with you, and I would highly recommend you find a teacher or let a teacher find you. Mm. You're not going to get it out of a book. Uh, now, that being said, I've had lots of teachers, and mostly I've worked on my own. I don't meditate in a group. I meditate by myself. But I used to meditate in groups. I would find some place that you could fit into that's not uh, cultish. And uh, sometimes that can be hard to do, too. Um, but a teacher, a guide would be helpful. And uh, I wouldn't say it's dangerous, but it is dangerous to start playing with things on your own before you know what to do. So now I also will say that for people who are coming from their heart and their soul and wanting to help people heal, um, they don't usually attract things that are negative. For those who are interested in power over, even if they don't know it, they'll know it fast enough because they'll get sick without a teacher, without a way to guide, without a way of learning how to use that energy. Yeah, I did the whole Zen thing and found the shamanic teacher, and I walked in that room that one day, and there she was. It was her. And she looks at me, and she goes, Oh, my God, I haven't seen one of you in years. Look at all that violence. Oh, my God. And I'm thinking, what the hell is she talking about? Uh. Right? I'm not a violent person. Well, what she was talking about is shamanic work calls to you. You don't decide what you want to be. And I find a lot of people nowadays, they want to be a shaman. And say they go out and they decide what it is they want to be. That's not how it is. It finds you. And you look at every indigenous culture and that's the way it's been. You're born into it. You don't. And I was born into the, the warrior part of it. And my job was to protect uh, and attack other villages that were attacking you. And the first job my teacher gave me was to clean a castle in Switzerland of evil energy, dark energy, she called it. And I'm going, well, that's interesting since I've never been to Switzerland and I have no idea where the castle is. So what do you want me to do? And she was like, you'll figure it out. And what she meant was that I have these souls, the beings that are around me, and I had to learn how to call on the souls to help me to travel to Switzerland to clean the dark energy off of the castle, because that was my gift. And I do that with people. I do that with all kinds of things. But I learned real quickly that, yes, that was my gift in other lifetimes, and I'll be happy to do it in this one, but I need to learn to use that underneath energy, that loving energy, the energy that uh, you connect to whatever the one you want to call is, is light and love and beautiful and healing. And that's what I do now. I, I have transformed myself from that into uh, something much different. But still, sometimes I need to call on those souls, and, and I do. Mostly that's not what I do anymore. But you are right. There are all kinds of crazy people out there. You have to be careful who you find. Let's put it that way. I see a lot of cults. I see a lot of people getting misused. 
I see a lot of people sick from it. What kind of sickness do you see from this? Is there a particular kind of sickness that makes you go, oh, that's that kind of spirit sickness? I do go, because I can see the darkness around them. And once once I see that, then I know it's it's a problem. And, you know, that can come from doing things with bad intentions or being around bad people or just having really bad way, things growing up. And that's what happened to you. Or you can bring them in for other lifetimes, too. Just, I'm just thinking as we're having this conversation, in some ways it's easier just to do a pattern differentiation and put some needles in. Without any question, I would agree with that. Yep, and if that works for you, that's great. You know, I, I as I said to you, I love acupuncture. I mean, I've spent an awful lot of time working to get acupuncture in, in this country, working on it, studying it, uh, being with it, learning it, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, I think it's brilliant. I've always thought it's brilliant. Uh, and I love herbal medicine, too. I don't do as much of that anymore. I do more of that probably than acupuncture, but I just think the power of plants is, is amazing, absolutely amazing. And each plant has its own power, just like each point has its own power. Each breed has its own power. So I'm interested in anything that's energetic. And uh, I, I I would just say that for some reason, and I don't exactly know why, I didn't look for it. It came to me. You know, the lady found me, and she was directed to contact me. She said, you know, off I went. <laughs> no, I, I, I hear you. Like I said, I've, I've had a handful of experiences that, I guess you could say directed me. There was an invitation. You could go here. You could not go here. No harm, no foul. Either way. But there was something in me that went, oh, yeah, that's what I'm doing. Yep. Not not even a, not a decision so much as a recognition. Oh, yeah, it's over this way. Yeah, and sometimes it's just a feeling, you know. You, you know, you come to a fork in the road, literally, and you look down that fork, and you look down that fork, and... Which one's pulling you? And that's, I, I agree, that's what it is. I get a lot of acupuncture. I love acupuncture, don't you? Mm-hmm. You, you mentioned that different points have, have an energy and different meridians have an energy. Could you share with us a little bit from your shamanic point of view or your, your, your particular energetic point of view of the character or nature of the meridians? how they're different, what they're like. I, I think they're just what you learn in school. You know, I, I think that it's been well thought out. And for me, what happens is uh, the points call out to me. Mm. Right? You know, for my first, let's say, 10 years of practice, I would do a differential diagnosis. And I would do like a four or five page intake form. I go through the whole thing with the patient and yada, yada, yada. Nowadays, I don't do intake forms. I just look and I can see. And the same with acupuncture. The points jump out at me that want to happen, or I run them by hand up a meridian. It'll tell me uh, which point to use. And that's how I do it. And I'll, I'll only use maybe four points or so, five or six, something like that. Depends on what's needed to happen. I think the more you, you study it, the more you really can get a feel for the meridians and the different names of the points. And, you know, the one thing I love about acupuncture is that my major in college was uh, East Asian history. 
uh, with a minor on uh, ancient East Asian history. And I think, how did these guys figure this out? And I think what happens is they could see it. They could see the energy mm. traveling in your body and they could feel the energy traveling in your body. And that's how it was all developed. And um, we can too. You just have to focus on it. The other thing I love about it is there's so many different, you know, there's five element theory, there's, you know, inside, outside, hot, cold, eight principles. There's all these different theories that were developed at different times. And you can learn each of them, which you usually do in the school. But what's cool is you can pick points from one or the other, and they still work. You don't have to, like, stick to one style or not. And I think that's, to me, I think that's just beautiful. Love it. <laughs> Acupuncture seems incredibly fractal-like to me. And certainly we could look through the lens of the five phases or through the six chi or whatever. And you'll see things because there's a perceptual reality inside of it. Yep. But that's not the only one. Right. And you can actually overlay them to some degree. Isn't that awesome? it's a lot of fun. I never got bored doing acupuncture. As I said, other things called to me and that's where I went, Mm. but it wasn't because I didn't like acupuncture. Definitely not. For those of us who don't have the shamanic training or or maybe at the beginning of some kind of cultivation, you know, I've been at this for 25 years. I think I'm just beginning to get a sense of how some of this stuff works. I'm looking forward to the next 25. If I get that many. We hope so. I'll I'll, I'll take what I get, you know? Hang on, there's a question at the tip of my tongue and it just slid right off. It'll be back. Damn, it just went away. I hate that. I know. Believe me. (laughs) (laughs) Hang on, I'm just going to sit here and and see if it'll come back to me. That's fine. Because it seemed important a moment ago. We can always have conversations off air. Yeah. Okay. That would. That, thank you for that invitation. Yeah. Off tape, shall we say? <laughs> yeah. Off tape. I'm, I'm old fashioned tape. There's no tape no more. No, I know there isn't. But you know, whenever I do a podcast, I'm always like, okay, let's roll some tape. I know. Because in my mind, it's tape, and I like the idea of. I'm kind of analog when you come right down to it. Um. Oh yes, I, I think I'm remembering uh, trance states. Again, I I've noticed that acupuncture induces. A really interesting, unusual state. I noticed it the first time I had acupuncture. I remember coming out and it's like, what the hell was that? I'm like so relaxed. It feels really good. It, it wasn't just relaxed. It was... It goes beyond relaxed, of course. It it was a different state of reality, for sure. Different state of consciousness. Yep. Stuck with me. Yep. Changed things. Yep. Look, I, I am one now. Here's the other thing about trance states. I've studied it briefly a bit when I was in school. They're very suggestible states. They're very powerful, malleable states, as I, what little I understand. When working with patients, especially if we're not working in a shamanic way, we're just working as acupuncturists, but we are treading into these this realm because of the work that we do and the way that it works and the way that people interact with needles and they, they have this experience going to light trans states. Is there anything that we can do 
to be a little more helpful to our patients, recognizing that they're in a malleable, suggestible state. Are there things that we should do or things that likewise avoid doing so that we could be of more benefit to them? Again, being respectful of that malleable state that they're in. Yeah, you have to be very careful on that one. One of my dear friends and a lady for 30 years worked next door to me. She's an acupuncturist, uh, herbalist, and also into shamanic things. What she does is she'll put the needles in, and then she takes them through a guided meditation. And she has a bunch of them that she's developed that are very positive. Like they'll take you to a, a field, a beautiful field with a stream running through it, and it's beautiful, whatever, down to the beach, listen to the waves. And um, people tell me that they really like that, that that deepens the trance state. I don't know if it's true or not because I've never experienced it, but acupuncture, I think, can be a, a, a deep, deep instrument to helping people relax and get into those states. And I really do. But there's a difference between a deep meditative state and deep trance state. So the, the trance states are, they don't go as deep. Meditation, everybody says, oh, you must be so relaxed. Meditation is so relaxing. And I'm thinking, well, you've never been to Zendo before. <laughs> I know. It's hilarious when they go, oh, that's so Zen. It's and like, no. Have you been to a Zen center? No. I go, have you ever done this before? No. And I, I did Rinzai Zen with the, the stick and the yelling and the whole bit. You know, it's like, no, no, no. You're, they're trying to get you to bring up deep shit you don't want to bring up. And they're having you bring it up and deal with it, literally. So there's a big difference between the two. But I still think the trans states can help people soften those areas that they're, they're too scared to go to. Mm-hmm. And they, don't, they might not even know what happened. I've had so many people who just have buried whatever the memory was that's killing them. They have no idea it was there. But I can see it, so... So, you, so you've got kind of an advantage because you, the shamanic work has developed a kind of vision for you. Correct. But not all shamanic people see. Uh, a lot of them feel more than they see. But you know, you've developed it too. You just don't realize it. So when you talk to me about somebody comes in and you're talking to them and you're getting a certain feeling from them and a certain you know, way something should go, after a while you don't listen to them anymore. You just feel what's going on and what they say you get a feeling from it yeah you do it too you just haven't noticed it i'll pay more attention uh, i'm serious i was talking to a pt friend of mine they say well how the hell do you do this and i go well you do it too i've seen you you know people walk in and you know exactly what's wrong with them before they open their mouth well he goes well that's experience i go god shoot me Right? Yeah, of course it's experience, but it's more than experience. Right? It's it's something beyond experience that you're tapping into. Well, could we say it's the fruits of experience? Sure, absolutely. But it's led you into being able to see, feel, be with the patient on a deeper level. And you do that every day. I got a great job. I, I love this whole stuff. I you know, I have so many doctor friends who are retiring. They go, so when are you retiring? And my 50, 50th college reunion is next year. And they're all retired. And I go, how can I retire me? 
I mean, this is me. This is what I do. This is my being. This is how I'm happiest. So how, why would I retire from that? Yes, I change it. Yes, I morph it. Yes, I do less of it than I did 40 years ago. You know what I mean? It's like I don't have that energy anymore. But why would I stop doing something I love? It, uh, so I don't. <laughs> well, John Myerson, that seems like a pretty good spot to put a pin in it for the day. Why would I retire from something I love? <laughs> Actually, let me ask you one more question. Anything else to say about this before we uh, do hit the stop button on the tape machine? No, I, I, you know, I can go on forever on this topic. You get that. Uh, if you have any questions, or anything, feel free to contact me. Uh, if you want me to do another one of these, feel free to contact me. I'm having fun talking to you. So uh, I don't usually talk to people. I don't usually talk about this period in public, but somehow I'm called to do this. So I'd be happy to do it, whatever you want. Great. Thank you so much. Until next time then. Thank you. It's tricky to talk about that which does not lend itself to logic, words, or conception. As the first line of the Tao Te Ching says, Tao ke Tao, Fei Chang Tao. That Tao that can be spoken, it's not the true Tao. Beyond words, beyond conception, there is a tangible aspect of being. It defies description and invites our exploration and attention. That invitation to cultivate our attention, that might actually be what I was looking to gain some capacity with as a young man. And it's something that my clinical practice every day invites me into. I suspect yours does as well. As with the best of conversations, it's good to come to the end with more potent questions and the capacity to sit with and explore them. Thanks as always for listening. If you liked this conversation, if you learned something new or found a moment of inspired insight, share the episode with your friends. If you want to support Geological, there's just one way to do that. It's by going to the website and becoming a member or leaving a one-time contribution today. Well, folks, that's it for today. Join us again next Tuesday for another conversation that connects up the voices of our community.